Live from PJH, Girth Radio, in session. Thank you, Alexander, for coming in and uh, hanging out. And I'm actually talking to the director of The People vs. George Lucas on May the 4th. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I even forgot about that. Well, may the, may the fourth be with you, man. May the fourth be with you. You didn't celebrate Star Wars Day? As no, a... I'm 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 all of, I'm sort of in the shower right now. Okay, yes, that's in the new the documentary. Psycho shower, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you don't have time to shower George Lucas with like Star Wars love. Your focus today no. is Alfred Hitchcock. That's right. That's right. But yeah, no, that's a good catch. There you go. Oh. I, uh, we're off to a good start, right? We're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The perfect nerdy start, right? Perfect nerdy start. So explain what you do and um, just kind of a little bit of your mm. uh, background and your body of work because you kind of have a consistent theme <clears throat> with your work. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, obviously I, I do, you know, pop culture docs and, you know, with my company Exhibited Pictures, you know, that's that's our, you know, focus. And um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I love I love when pop culture and cinema sort of converge to give you these sort of moments that change everything. You know, I mean, Star Wars changed everything. The shower scene changed Practically invented everything. the blockbuster along with Jaws. Uh, Star yeah, Wars. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a brand new experience. It was, you know, I mean, unlike anything we had ever seen, you know, it was almost like experiencing a new medium. Just like, again, just like people, you know, experiencing the, sh- you know, the, the shower scene in 1960, they had never seen anything, you know, like it. Yeah. So so those are the things that really sort of excite me as a as a filmmaker, you know, and, and I think they're very important and they're very important to look at. And so I want to, you know, I I, want to create cinematic experiences that celebrate the importance of those moments. That's a a really good way to put it, because that's what this new documentary is about, 7852. Yep. Just for people who don't know, what is the 7852 reference? So 78 is um, essentially the number of setups uh, for the scene, uh, which was actually shot over seven days. And uh, ultimately, the scene had 52 cuts. So, so seventy it really refers to pre-production, production, fifty-two to post-production. All right, and of course the 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 documentary focuses on the infamous Janet Lee uh, shower scene. That's right. Yeah, yeah. where uh, poor Janet Lee died. Uh, she, yeah, she did. A horrific. She sure death. did. And I and I've I've seen that death over and over and over again. How many years you work on this doc? Three. Three years. Yeah, you know. So you know, watching the scene maybe twenty times a day. You know. It's a lot of it's a lot of yeah. That is a lot. It's a lot of murder. That's a lot of murder. That should be the tagline for the, <laughs> it's a, lot, the it's a whole the, lot of murder <laughs> for the documentary. <laughs> Seeing something that consistent that often, is it kind of similar to like when you're in the editing room and you're kind of going over scene after scene, like when you're working in your own pictures? Because sometimes in the editing room, uh, filmmakers can kind of get lost and it's hard to kind of see and it's like hard to find your way again. But you keep seeing new things when you keep watching it. Yes. After three years. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, you know, I can honestly say that after, you know, three years of working on that scene, you know, basically full time, uh, I'm starting now to understand it. Um, I think it still has a lot of mysteries and and secrets um, that uh, perhaps I will reveal in this, in a follow up film uh, at some point down the road. Oh, you uh, got secrets too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, there's other, you know, I think there's other st- stuff I want to focus on right now, but I'm I'm definitely not ruling out the uh, a completely different kind of film about the shower scene because um, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, the more the more you watch it, the more you see things, and it's virtually endless. It's funny because like. When I watched Psycho, I'm guessing this must have been like the late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but the first time I saw it, the shower scene was startling. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was the uh, Milton, the private investigator, when he gets mm. killed. Because then Hitchcock, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When uh, Hitchcock puts the camera, like, looking down, and then mm. the mother comes out of the room, and yeah. she takes him to the top of the stairs. I was like, oh, snap! <laughs> that that murder was, that was really startling to me, far more than the, the shower scene. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. I mean, it's, it's amazing the way he did that, you know, did that too. But, uh, yeah. Like, what came first into your life? Was it Hitchcock or Psycho? It was Hitchcock. And, and um, I mean, I guess it may have been Psycho, although I, I, I sort of highly doubt it. But, you know, I was watching Hitchcock films, you know, when I was, you know, five, six years old. So um, it, it, it really feels to me like he was always around, you know. Yeah, I used to watch a TV show along with the Twilight Zone yeah. as a kid. There you go. Yeah, yeah, the Twilight Zone, obviously, you know, all that all that stuff, you know. Uh, it was like, you know, catnip, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I... I I was just really fascinated and I was I just kept going back, you know, to his movies and, you know, my parents obviously loved, you know, his, his films and, you know, that's, you know, they exposed me to, you know, to his work. My mom the same way. She loves North by Northeast, but she thinks Psycho is kind of like he's slumming it a little bit. Like it's his, like it's like not cheesy, but it's just kind of like whatever. Like it's not his <laughs> classic, like. Well, I mean, you know, North by Northwest to me is, uh, it's, uh, it's a very classic sort of grand sort of technicolor, you know, beautiful film, but it's not as, you know, to me, it's not as complex as a psycho. It's not as complex as a vertigo, yeah. you know, or a rear window or, you know, those sort of darker movies. Those um, are the ones I like. The vertigo. Me too. Me rear... too. You know, and I, you know, I mean, I love North by Northwest, but, yeah. but, but I, I tend to be attracted more by those, yeah, darker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more mysterious movies that, that seem to be so much more layered, you know. And so you focus on the shower scene in this documentary, and you have a number of uh, prominent people, um, both creators yep. and also some editors. Uh, who are who's the list of the people that you have in the documentary? This is a really cool you list. Want the full list? You want me to make sure Not I don't forget list, anybody? Him, yeah, because there's a <laughs> lot. But uh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, you've got Guillermo del Toro, Jamie Lee Curtis, Elijah Wood, uh, Eli Roth, Walter Murch, Peter Bogdanovich. Um, yeah, I mean. Many, 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 um, just incredible, incredible people. Richard Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of horror, you know, sort of, you know, icons, um, uh, gr- you know, phenomenal, iconic editors as well. Um, but I, I also really wanted to kind of strike that balance between, you know, the the older generation and the younger generation, you know, to 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 make it clear that the scene is still, you know, very, very relevant today. I mean, you know, here we are 57 years later and we're still talking about that scene and we're still, you know, we're still not, um, we, we, there's still so much more to discover about it. I mean, that's, that's what I was trying to say, you know, and, and so, uh, so I think, you know, my, my film, I think is really a, going to please not just, you know, Hitchcock nerds, yeah. but also people who actually have, may have, ne- you know, never watched Psycho. You know, I've been touring with the film now for three months. And uh, I, I actually ask that question every time. So, you know, is there anybody in the house who hasn't seen Psycho yet? And there's always, you know, a couple of hints that, that you know, go up. And, and I think that's really cool. You know, that means that there's a curiosity about the scene. And therefore, you know, hopefully they'll want to go and watch it afterwards. It's interesting that it's like there's people still haven't seen Psycho. I mean, there's been like, what is it, three or four sequels after it? There's been a TV show now. Three, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yep. it's like it's still had a life like since like 1960. Like it still continues to resonate like norman bates and the bates hotel all yeah. those kind of things yeah no it's it's um it's really interesting it's almost like psycho is is in the air again uh there's um this artist um can't remember her name now you know who recently had the 
um you know moma i think in new york did the she did like a psycho barn installation it's like oh a, yeah what was it yeah called? um it was like on the rooftop you know yeah, yeah. maybe it was at the met um this but uh, bell, yeah. but you know it's it's like you know and then James Franco you know That's you right. know did a whole exhibit on you know on Psycho um so I I don't know what it is but this movie keeps coming back and um you know it's it's not like I planned to you know time the release of you know seventy fifty two to go with that <clears throat> but it's really interesting to see that it's it's very much in the air. One of the people you mentioned, like uh, Walter Murch, and like you had a couple of editors um kind of talking about the different cuts and the editing and stuff like this yeah. Yes, the other thing too is like what editors do in in film and stuff is like a lot the general public doesn't really kind of have a good grasp right of it right. and the subtlety and the work and stuff like yeah. that. And guys like Walter Murch are great because mm. they can convey that uh way they can translate what they do in a way that's easy to comprehend. Yeah, no, I mean Walter Murch for me, you know, personally was actually really the holy grail. Um I think, you know, to 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 be able to talk to sort of the the great really the greatest living editor about a scene that is really known for its groundbreaking editing it was it was such a blast i mean i don't think i've ever been such a sort of like you know my my inner fanboy just went crazy you know like when he said yes to the interview and you know got to go to his blueberry farm in northern california and and uh, just you know, talk to him about the cherry scene for two and a half hours was uh, it was a pretty special moment. Yeah, the editors, especially when you're watching this, doc- when you're watching your documentary, they're fascinated by the scene. Like they can see different things. They yes, right. I yes. mean, you and I were talking about uh, off air. We were just having lunch, and we were talking about like magic and magicians. And when I hang out with magicians too, they see other magicians in action, and they can start to see where the hand is going, and they can see different things. Mm. But they're still like enjoying the the actual magic, if that makes sense. They're yes. seeing it on two levels. Yes. Whereas the audience is like, I didn't know that quarter was behind my ear, right? That's so right. The audience only gets the one level. But the editors in your documentary, they were seeing it on the two levels, and that was kind of interesting. Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I I've always sort of looked at Hitchcock as a uh, a, a cross between P.T. Barnum and Houdini. I think oh. he was the ultimate entertainer and he is the ultimate sort of movie trick magician. Um, so, you know, I'm very interested, actually, you talk to magicians about the shower scene because I think the, the shower scene is a trick. It is virtually a magic trick. I mean, that's that's what he does. And I think that's why it fascinates, you know, you know editors and, and people who are actually really interested in movies because, because he does it with the medium of film. And, you know, what's what's unbelievable to me is that, you know, I've obviously had the opportunity to interview some amazing, you know, big, big editors. And um, at one point during each of those interviews, they will say, this is the greatest cut I've ever seen, right? But they're all talking about a different cut. So this just, to me, this is mind-blowing. That, that, that scene continues to have this extraordinary impact on some of the greatest editors that are alive right now, you know, working in Hollywood. It's... it's Pretty special. It's sleight of hand, right? Cause it is, and that's partly what your document. One of yeah. the, the, I guess, sub themes of your your documentary is. It's just like, like you very rarely see the knife kind of go in. You kind of just that's get right. right. So it's all sleight of hand. You're the yeah. audience is kind of filling yeah. in the gaps. I can't remember where I read it. I might have read it or might have seen it, but um, David Fincher uh, was talking. Uh, he was at a party. He did seven, of course. Right. And. Uh, 
was at a party. He met this woman. She's like, so what do you do? And he's like, I'm a filmmaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she's like, have I seen any of your stuff? And he's like, I did this movie, this movie. And he's like, I did seven. And she starts hitting him with her purse. Really? And she was like, that movie seven was the most violent thing. So many people died. But a lot of the people died off camera. Like the guys mm-hmm. that Kevin Spacey was killing, was they died off camera. So the audience mm-hmm. was filling in the gap. So in her mind, what she was seeing was a completely violent film. But none of that was actually physically... Right shot in there yeah yeah and so when the audience fills in the gap that's also like a comment a weird commentary in the audience and i think that's where hitchcock is like super smart oh my god yeah let's see how dark yeah. and creepy you are that, well that's right yeah well and, and also you know at the time i mean he he pretty much had to do it because of of you know censorship and you know the legion of decency and, and all of that stuff so um so in a way it was it was by necessity but i think in in another way i think you're right it was also by design i think he he liked the challenge of of figuring out a way to let the audience connect the dots in their minds and and make them feel like they had seen things that they really he didn't show them you know mm-hmm. that's it is magic yeah magic <laughs> yeah so does that change then when we go to the gus van sant version of mm. psycho because you mentioned there was a scene or two that um gus had in that they weren't <clears throat> able to show in the original psycho when um hitchcock was shooting it yeah i mean you know the the gus van Sant thing is is interesting because it's and, and i'm really glad by the way that this movie exists because you're kind of in the minority of that aren't you? well i i said i'm glad it exists i didn't say i like it yeah okay. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, uh, you know I, I i'm glad it exists because i think it becomes a really interesting sort of side-by-side comparison you know on the one hand you have this film that was humongously ambitious that hitchcock didn't really have completely the means to pull off uh i mean really quite frankly i think what he envisioned you know the cameras to pull it off didn't exist at the time you know I mean, that's just a reality. You know, I mean, you look at the fact that he had to resort to an optical to do the, the shot from the eye to the newspaper and, you know, things like that, uh, which, you know, today we could, you know, we could animate, yeah. you know, if we needed to do that, you know. And uh, so then the question becomes, how is it possible then that the Gus Van Sant movie, which, you know, was shot the same way, scene for scene, scene for scene, shot for shot, and, well, they certainly tried to edit it the same way. Why is it that it doesn't work this, you know, the same? And you know, my, my pet theory is that what makes the shower scene so great, in fact, what makes anything great, is the mistakes, is the flaws, is the things that happen that you cannot possibly plan for because you cannot possibly replicate that. The fact that he had to resort to an optical, the fact that Janet Lee took a breath and you had to cut back to the shower head. This you is, know. of course, after she's draped over the shower. Right, exactly. And so she's supposed to be, quote unquote, dead. That's right, you know. All those things are, you know, those flaws. I think you look at the greatest works of art and and there are flaws in them. But, you know, a flaw is something that you can't sort of consciously try to replicate. And, you know, sure enough, you know, we interviewed the editor of, of the Gus Van Sant, you know, Psycho. And, and she said, you know, we, we cut it the exact same way and it just didn't work. And I'm, I'm very grateful, by the way, for her honesty. I think it's a wonderful thing to say. But it makes you really think about sort of the magic, going back to that word, the magic that happens between the frames. You know, there is a magic to movies that you just, when it happens, you can't replicate it. You know, it's like we we keep trying to replicate the Star Wars magic. Yeah. Ain't gonna happen. Sorry, ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Is that kind of then, um, is contradiction the right word? Whereas like, the theme of your film is that 
Hitchcock planned all this stuff. He he figured out storyboards. He had right. Saul Bass. He had all these mm-hmm. different things. And then all these flaws happen. So it's kind of like as much as he detailed down to the last thing or whatever. Right. Then all these flaws. So it's like a weird kind of. Is that a contradiction or what is that exactly? No, that that is that is the. You're getting to the crux of it now. That is the one of the great many paradoxes of the shower scene. Paradox. That's a better you word. Know, yeah. Uh, I mean, the shower scene is both elegant and and gross. It is uh, both impressionistic and expressionistic. Uh, it's it's all of those things. It's everything at you know. It's it's life. <laughs> you know, the shower scene is life. It, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's it's um, uh, it, it is full of contradictions, mm-hmm. and that's another reason why it fascinates me because you can go round and round and round, and you'll never ever ever get to the bottom of it. I guarantee you, you will never. I will never get to the bottom of that scene, and I will. I'm probably going to spend a fair amount of of you know time studying it for the rest of my life. I intend to live another forty, fifty years, so um, so watch out. <laughs> You're going to spend the rest of your life potentially on four minutes out of a hundred and nine. Well, I mean, yeah. I'll do other things too. No, I know, I know. But yes, no, I, I, you know, I definitely want to continue studying that scene. I think it's, I think it's a very worthwhile endeavor. I think it's, um, I think it holds the key to a lot of sort of questions about the creative process. I think it's a phenomenal sort of, you know, Pandora's box to open. And it's hugely entertaining to me to do that. Nothing stands out for you in terms of the other murders in the rest of the the film? Because you basically just do focus only on the shower scene. Right, 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 right. No, I mean, you know, of course, the Arbogast murder is, you know, it's pretty spectacular. There's no question about it. But, um, but, you know. Doesn't have the same contradictions, I guess. uh, No, and it's not, it's not, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think I could make a feature film about that, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, you know, how how many scenes can you make a feature film about? You know, that's the I think that's the the question right there. The murder of Janet Lee too was kind of like one of the first spoiler alerts, right? We never really had proper spoiler alerts before. Right. right. Do you feel like Psycho kind of changed and altered the ritual of movies and going to movies and Completely. I mean, you know, the, the, that's the thing is that, you know, what people don't understand is that back in the day you know, people would walk in and out of movies. You know, you'd walk into the middle of a film, you watch the end, it starts again, and then at, at the point where you started, you just started walking out. So there was a sort of tremendous sort of movement, you know, of audiences walking in uh, theaters. Well, you know, Psycho changed all of that. And in fact, you can actually say that the shower scene changed all of that because, you know, Hitchcock couldn't possibly have people walking in either during or right after the shower scene. It just wouldn't be the same experience. So he basically forced movie theaters to uh, make sure that nobody would walk in once the movie begins. So the reason why we line up to watch movies now is because of Psycho. All right. And, you know, and because of the shower scene. And yeah. the reason we go block to block at movies now is because of movies like Star Wars and... Jump. Well, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. So now, exactly. Now you have these movies that sort of, ex- you know, expanded on the, on that, you know, that ritual or changed the ritual. But but the the, 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 the main sort of ritual change, the, the ritual of, of movie watching uh, was profoundly altered by the shower scene. Was Hitchcock ultimately happy or satisfied with Psycho or like where yeah. did it fit into his like canon? Because he obviously created, like we just mentioned like Rear Window, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Like do it as a... Like an impressive list of like his yeah, IMDb well, is solid. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's more than solid. I mean the guy you're talking about, you know, he made you know probably twelve masterpieces, thirty, forty great films. You know, um, well that's the thing that I just admire so much about the man is that he was you know he was sixty one years old when he made Psycho, and uh, that was just on the heels of North by Northwest. He had absolutely nothing 
left to prove, right? He could have just said, I'm throwing in a towel now, I'm done. And he would still be the celebrated master that, that he is now. Mm -hmm. um, so what does he do? Instead of playing it safe, he picks up this pulp novel that you know everybody thought was beneath him. And he says, that's my next film. And you know nobody wanted to fund it. Uh, he didn't have the budget, so you know he funded it mostly himself. And he took the greatest risk because I think he saw an opportunity to reinvent himself, to do something. And I would even venture to say he saw the chance to create his greatest cinematic trick ever. I think the shower scene is the one thing that Hitchcock had been seeking his entire life. And when he saw it, he decided to take seven days to do it. That's my, I mean, that's my pet theory, but I don't know why anybody in, you know, any director in his right mind would take seven days to shoot something like this, except that he saw something that, or sensed something about it that he knew would change everything. And, vision. you know, it's yeah. vision. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it was, it was that search for the magic trick, you yeah. know? That that's the Houdini part of of Hitchcock, yeah. and he found it. And I think that to me, he never reached that apex anymore. After that, The Birds is phenomenal. I mean, no question about it. Um, you know, he did great things after that. But that I think was the ultimate trick that he was ever. You know, that he was after. You grew up, or you're from Switzerland, right? Mm -hmm. So how does the lens of like some of the sexuality and stuff in Psycho? kind of change from a European's perspective to an American perspective? Because our, <laughs> well, our, the way we view sexuality yeah. is a lot different than Europe, right? So Yeah, we're not a you know puritanical society, obviously. Yeah. You know. we're, we're the certainly proof. not in my family, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a different interview. Well, yeah, it's a different interview. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah, I was watching Psycho when I was, you know, five, six years old. So, you know, I remember watching Night of the Living Dead at that time and Scanners and all those movies. So, well, that's a good clearly, childhood, though. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome, you know, because I think... All the people that I've interviewed for Dog of the Dead, you know, were like, you know, oh man, you know, we want we watched those films also when we were young, but you know, we had to figure out a way to watch them without our parents knowing. You yeah, know? at least my parents knew. Yeah, you know. there's always that one bad kid who's like, whose parents not watching at all what they're watching, and then you can always go to their house and then watch Ed. That's everything. right. That's right. That's I was fine. that kid. Yeah, that was me. You were the bad kid, <laughs> <laughs> the troublemaker. Yeah. So how does the sexuality kind of change then between the two countries or the from the perspective? I guess, can you even comment on that? Or Well, I mean, I, I don't know about, you know, I don't know about Switzerland specifically. I mean, Switzerland is a, is a weird sort of society. It's very conservative. It's very sort of guarded, you know, on, on that front. Um, so I don't know necessarily that, I, I know, to be honest, I couldn't tell you how it was received in Switzerland. Um, but I'm actually finding out some really interesting things along the way on my sort of world tour right now, you know, to give you an example, uh, was in Helsinki recently. And I learned that in 1960, when Psycho came out, they actually excised the shower scene. What? Yeah. So, so well, so, so, so get this. So the shower scene, so it goes, you know, mother pulls the curtain, Janet Lee turns around, you go from close up, extreme close up to her open mouth, cut to the shot going to the newspaper. What? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. I, it doesn't make any sense. And 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 the th and the theory goes right now. I mean, at least they're saying the reason why it took so long for Finland to actually get a, a true sort of genre, you know, horror industry is because they were deprived of that that moment for so long. That makes sense because there's no kindling. It does. There's no kindling, so how are you going to have a spark? Right. That's right. So you can't, you know, they, they didn't get shocked out of their minds yeah you know the way that that most of us did i'm, I'm gonna you know so going back to switzerland i i 
you know, it, it makes me wonder now, was the shower scene removed? I don't know. Like, you know, culture to culture, it's interesting to see how that movie was, you know, was censored as well, you know. And people react, and you're finding two people are still reacting even this day and age, like, to the shower scene. Because there's now, there's all these yeah. kind of, like, layers and stuff like that. Uh, women's live movement, all these yeah, kind of, of course. things, right? So, of course. Everything's kind of evolved and changed, obviously, since yeah. 1960. And yeah. so, the reaction is still kind of shock and stuff like this? Or is there now all those extra layers, like... No, I mean, I, th- I think it is. I think it's a, it's a really interesting movie to think about in terms of... You know what did that do? I mean, I I think there's there's you know clearly some very positive aspects to what the scene did, in terms of breaking taboos and and introducing new sort of elements of technique or whatever. But there's a very negative impact on it. You know, I think the 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 sort of the ripple effect of the shower scene, um, and what it you know what a, you know s- several horror films do, is is questionable. You know as well. But I think that's a very I think it's a very healthy discussion to have, you know, and I think that's why it was very important for me to obviously interview a number of, of women, you know, and, 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 uh, and women filmmakers, you know, and, and be a part of that conversation because um, that's a very different experience. You know, I think if you're a woman watching the shower scene than if you're a man watching the shower scene. For sure, yeah. You know, there's no question about that. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it is... Um, and it's also it layered because it's like it's yeah. a dude dressed as a, as a woman too. Well, exactly, right? right? So you have all that stuff. But, you know, the, the, the thing that's remarkable too, that the, one of the things that we don't talk about very much in Hitchcock films because, you know, he has certainly been accused of misogyny, you know, on, on certain fronts. But you look at the character of Janet Lee, especially in 1960, this is a really, really strong female character. I mean, first of all, she makes a decision because she's in love with this guy to steal $40,000. I mean, she has a very comfortable, solid life. She takes a huge risk, you know, drives there, makes the choice, which, by the way, at the time, a woman alone wouldn't go to a motel like this. Right. You know, so so she has the guts to do that. And then she realizes she's made a mistake and she doesn't want to go down that path anymore. And she has the courage to say, I'm going to return that money, you know, the following day. I mean, I'm sorry, like she's a role model. She's a very, very strong woman. So, yeah, then there are people who are going to say, "Okay," but then she gets murdered. Right. So so that's questionable in of itself. But I think beyond that, to me, I think it's I think this is really Hitchcock's sort of point of view. I think this idea that the Hollywood ending the character making the moral moral choice and then, you know, uh, walking off into the sunset, that's nice, but that's a fabricated reality. The reality is it doesn't always happen that way. Especially and, in horror, too. Well, in, in any, you know, in any genre and, and in life, you know, and I think that's the, you know, that's the moral universe that, that he exposes through Psycho. And I think that's what's that was, you know, so scary and terrifying. You know, because um, nothing like this had been done before. The you have one more screening up at Hot Docs, and then what happens yep. to the, the doc after that? Uh, it's going all over the place. Um, I mean, I'm going to be touring with the film for you know close to a year, <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally going to a different country every week. Um, and um, um, IFC is releasing it in the US, Kino Smith in uh, Canada. Dog Wolf in the UK, all kinds of other distributors, you know. Uh, so there will be theatrical, um, limited theatrical release in the fall. And uh, we're hoping for uh, some really cool, um, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, box, 
chock full of extras and uh, you know after that so okay yeah. the extras include like other interviews and, or... and all that yeah i mean we're, we're working on that you know we're starting to have the conversation you know i i would like it to be a very special edition because i think it deserves that you know i think there's uh you know so much more that we could have included so so that's the hope yeah okay before you go what kind of comic books are you reading are you reading at all on your uh your journey across the world or you have anything I, that you want to recommend oh man i um I well, I mean, I love comics. I I love the sort of um, um, you know, sort of little little rare gems, you know, uh, stuff that you that are you know difficult to find. Um, but I don't know, man. I um, um, I mean, you know, I'm always always a big fan of Preacher, uh, Chew, uh, Transmetropolitan. You know, I mean, things like that to me. You are, like them dark too in the comics. Yeah, well, of course, you know, dark, dark and messed up. You know, that's. I mean, I think that's what comics are all about. You know, um, so um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't know. I have so many recommendations, but you know, people should check out our company as well, Fried Comics, uh, FriedComics.com. Very, very um, dark and demented. Okay, we got to end it there. That's a positive note, right? <laughs> that's right. We went full circle, right? From like dark and demented comics to a dark and demented movie by Hitchcock that's to your exa- documentary. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 for sure. Thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. I appreciate um, it. Talking magic and uh, Houdini and yeah. Hitchcock. And, and with like, some, some good booze right here. Yeah, too, I can't feel way, my so. face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great drink. Thanks. All you. right, man. Thanks. <laughs>